This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's episode 459. Um, thank you for being here. This was another fun episode. We had Damien uh, Riffle, Rifle, Riffle. Um, and in the studio talking about elk hunting, of course, that's probably why you clicked on this. Um, good info in this one if you're interested in doing an elk hunt. So we are going to rip through the business and let you get to learn some stuff. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. Appreciate being here. Workingclassbowhunter.com. Uh, our YouTube, we just put the video up of Ross's 202-inch buck recovery. Yep. Uh, go, awesome. Go, go check it out. Yeah, go check that one out. Uh, we have our new like WCB promo videos up. Our boy Jordan from Combination Creative helped us throw that together. My bear hunt's going to be on there soon. We'll have a lot more videos coming down the line. Some video podcast. This one will be video. Um, so yep. if you're just listening on Spotify and maybe want to see it in video, you can check that out there. Shout out to Wade Kemp. He drives up and films um, films a podcast, and that'll be something where you do more and more as we go on. So just a heads up on that. Go to our YouTube, subscribe. It helps us. We normally haven't pushed YouTube very hard, but it doesn't hurt to have an extra platform there one's better than zero um the podcast is presented by elite archery um obviously loving our elites i've been hammering the remedy lately um i tuned it did 200 shots I tuned it with ross did 200 shots and scotty came out and helped me and tuned it in shooting bullet holes bear shaft Hell so yeah. i'm basically just i'm in training mode now so there you go I'm right there with you. Mine's, uh, I've been flinging a lot of arrows, and I'm kind of past that point of the string stretching, so I'm going to get everything set back and tune back in, and hopefully here in a couple months we'll be flinging arrows at moose. I know, man. That's a good thing to, to tell people, too. They might not know that. You know, fling 100, 200 arrows through and take them back to your bow shop and just make sure yep. everything's still in time. And It doesn't hurt. That right. string, it will stretch a little bit, and it kind of changes things a little bit. So, yep. yeah, yep. fire a couple hundred arrows through it and then go tune it again. Never hurts, plus it helps your confidence level. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Podcast also brought to you by Big Time. Uh, just dropped a podcast with Big Time, uh, code WCB2021. Um, also, Spy Point Cell Cams. I'm getting the fleet ready and getting getting ready to get them out. I'm itching a little bit. I'm normally not too pressured on getting them out right away, so I'm kind of going leisurely with it, and I'll get them out because 
Less is more, I right. think. Yep. You know. I've been itching too, but we've got eighteen inches of rain in the last week. I know. It's been <laughs> so yeah. sucked. Pro tip if you're in if you're anxious to get them out, right before it rains a great time, get them set out and then all that yep. scent washes off. I just did it yesterday. Yeah, that's right. a good point too. Um also Rogue Ridge e bikes, scent crusher, old barn taxidermy. Excuse me. Old barn taxidermy. Um Huntworth clothing, uh, Huntworth gear. Um, that stuff's awesome. It's new for us this year. We've been using it up. It, it's great, great stuff. Excuse me, I got some stuff going on. And uh, <laughs> loophole optics. Um, I'm going to take, so I'm taking 12 by 50s to uh, Wyoming. So I'm excited about that. Normally I rock 10 by 42s here in the Midwest. Yep. Clint talked me into them. Clint's making the jump to loophole. Did you hear about that? Nice. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, you'll be able to do some glass under those 12 by 50s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. It's like a mobile spotter in a way. Yep. And then uh, also pull back and let go. Our good, our good guy Jordan Ginsmer up there in Hayward, Wisconsin, Anglers Haven. Um, he's coming down uh, at the time of this recording. He's coming down this weekend, bringing our neon sign. Yep. And uh, pull back and let go. Make some awesome merch. Um, I consider it a clothing company. I, I wore a long sleeve pull back and let go shirt the, the entire week while i was in wyoming and yep, you never took it off it's I, quality stuff man it's, it's nice. quality. oh yeah yeah they go the extra mile to make sure it's good stuff oh yeah so check them out pull back and let go on instagram their logo's badass um and awesome people so hey while awesome. we're on that what do you think about anglers while you went up there this past week on vacation oh man it's awesome up there i mean if you, anyone's looking for a little getaway up to wisconsin that's definitely the place to go it's nice Great drinks and very good pizza. I got to get up there. Yeah, Jordan awesome. knows his way around an old-fashioned, we'll put it oh, that that's way. That's right. I'll get up there next summer. That's a goal. That's awesome. Um, also, the veteran shout-out that we normally do every week, uh, Doug is not here. He's helping his old man on the farm. Um, they just got a new semi for grain. That's the most Midwestern shit. <laughs> nice. You <laughs> got to help my old man with the semi. Yeah, so Doug normally does the veteran shout-out, which is brought to you by HHA USA. Um, so this is a good time to just plug the veteran shout out. We like to take a little bit of time and kind of just spotlight a veteran each week on the podcast in HHA USA, which HHA of course is an awesome site company, rest company, now stabilizer company. Um, they have HHA USA, which is a nonprofit organization that helps veterans basically get back into archery and get back in the outdoors and they host 3d shoots and everything good. There's really nothing negative at all. You can think of about nothing. that. Um, so they were happy enough to support us on that. We're happy to support them. And if you know a veteran that you'd like to submit for that veteran shout out, go to our contact tab on workingclassbowhunter.com. And then Doug Fords, if we pick a winner, he forwards that to HHA USA and they send out like a little merch package and stuff. So Absolutely. it's pretty cool. Done rambling. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for being here. We appreciate the hell out of you. Here we go. Here we go. I'm Chase Ralston with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the working class bow hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Working class. Working class. Work, 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 work
It's episode 459 of the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. Shoo, buddy. If you clicked on us and you didn't figure out the name of our show by the intro, um, hopefully figure it out by the end. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. We appreciate the hell out of you. This is Kurt Geyer speaking. Doug Schmidt. Eric Common. Austin Chandler. And our special guest. You are the second guest in our new studio, Damien Riffle, or if you want to make him sound super cool, Rifle. We can go with that. I like it. <laughs> both. Both is good, right? Big fan. Either man or. of mystery. Man of mystery. Thank you for rifle. Thank you for making it out here. Thanks, man. So it's good you, to come. You are from Ohio, the number one big buck state in all of the land. The second, second number be, one behind state. Indiana, A- Illinois. Oh, okay. Illinois. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Nice. Public land, Illinois, number one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, Iowa probably. If you can draw a tag, well, easy. No, Illinois. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> what, small what, bucks in Iowa. What is probably number one public land for whitetails in in the Ooh. Midwest? Ooh. Jumping right into that's it. A, yeah, right. Um, probably the most overlooked, I would guess, would be like Kentucky or something. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Wisconsin, you know, maybe? Num- number of entries. Wisconsin's got a boatload. Wisconsin's has a boatload, but like. I don't know. I like feel about like public, public land. It would, I feel like Illinois has, in our area, less of it. Right. Ohio, the, the public land that's available in Ohio is just swamped especially if you mm-hmm. like the first two weeks of november it's ridiculous gun season it's ridiculous same here but it's because is ohio over-the-counter buck tag like for a non-resident yeah yeah same, same and it's, here. it's relatively cheap but right. it, i mean illinois i don't know probably I, I not relatively the, cheap. The, the temperament like i couldn't do it like i couldn't yeah. imagine going in and setting up and some dude every single day walking in Walk, on your set right by you and not caring and like yeah. i would i would lose my shit i i don't like <laughs> when i'm on private land and i can hear a dog barking right yeah like, <laughs> like and that's call me a snob but i just the farm I killed on last year, first year I ever hunted it, and early season, like they, my buddy that got me the permission to hunt on that property, I was like, this is the biggest bullshit I've ever hunted in my life. I said, it's nonstop, some asshole revving his car, and Crotch dogs rockets. barking. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's rural, extremely, oh. and... Uh, but it's like it was nonstop noise all day long, every evening, right up till like the last 20 minutes of daylight, and you're yeah. like... There's no damn way. And then once it advanced into season, the temps got a little cooler and people weren't outside screwing off and cutting firewood and everything else. It, right. It got a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel I get weird with that. I hunted a piece. It was actually the same piece of property that the crossbow hunter almost shot me on. The first time I sat it, I sat on the south end and I just heard like there was a four wheeler track. Yeah. Within like 200 yards yeah. of me. And it's like, I don't hate four wheelers and I don't hate people who ride four wheelers at all. Like I actually enjoy I it. But, but for that day, I was like, dude, fuck people who ride. Four wheelers. <laughs> right. fuck four. So my parents have 30 acres and they've had it since I was a little kid. I refuse to hunt it because a mile down the road is a dirt bike track. Oh, so you're just and hearing, it's just like, <laughs> and like that's all you hear. You're just Especially on the weekends. I'm like, forget strokes. it. Forget it. Like, I'm, and then about Every other weekend, you hear lifelike coming in to haul somebody off. So I'm like, yeah. oh shit, I, I hate it. Like anytime Wait, they have a big race, you you'll coming. hear a helicopter. Right. I promise you. Do you low key cheer when you hear that? Yeah, yeah I'm like sorry yeah, about you. Yeah. One less bike ride. <laughs> oh fuck. He got quiet now, aren't you? Right. <laughs> That's dark. We're Buzz kidding. kill. We're kidding. <laughs> Buzz kill on every platform there. But I get that. I get that a lot. That's noise bugs me. I just want to enjoy nature and I want right. to listen for deer. And that's 
I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? Most times we had a lease that you could just hear highway noise. Just yeah. that constant rum of the or hum or whatever. Best property I've ever hunted. I had it for 12 years. Most of my big deer came off of it. That I was 800 yards from Interstate 77 that cuts right up to the middle of and it. It's probably good for entry and exit is the noise, right? It, it was. And like I've made some really long shots that were probably covered up by interstate noise mm, that right. the deer didn't react to. You probably so get away with a little bit away, more too. You can get away with more, but yeah. That just that constant, and it was always if you got a south wind, the way the interstate kind of looped up, it the, the south wind was the worst. It just sounded like those cars were coming right through your stand. You <laughs> See, know? That's, that horrible. that white noise would just put me to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, tip your mic up just a little bit. Beautiful. Um, so the the main point of the podcast, you know, when we talked about scheduling this end, is like you, you are a guy from the Midwest that ventures west which i think always makes for an interesting conversation because there's so many guys you know our listener base is primarily midwestern guys sure. that either either have already been out west and they've kind of they've done the thing or they're curious about other states and and whatever it may be but there's a lot of people probably the majority that always dream of going west that don't get to go west mm-hmm. so that's why i enjoy interviewing guys from the midwest that are have experience going West or have trips planned or more knowledgeable about it because you get, I mean, it's one thing to have a Western guy on to speak to Midwestern people about what you need, what to look for, how to do it. You can learn deeper tips and tactics. take white tail guys and send them West. It's a different outlook on things. Right. It gives, it's a more relatable perspective because you know what it's like to be home based on white tails and then learn it and kind of like the, the progression of you didn't know that you needed this the first time you went. And then you added that to your pack list the next time. Right. So, and everyone's um, different too. Like we've had a lot of people on from the Midwest that go out West, but it's nice to have different people on to see what you're taking with you yeah. versus the other guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And might we add, you know, if, if you guys don't follow Damien on Instagram or Facebook, I go feel free to shout your stuff out. Damien hunts on instagram i'd rather do that one if anyone's gonna follow me i post all my hunting stuff on there facebook i try to keep it to like family and friends facebook sucks facebook sucks sucks. let's be honest um, you can see damien's like i mean you're obviously a very experienced hunter very accomplished whitetail hunter uh very accomplished out west as well but you did an episode on whitetail cribs with the exodus guys which is super cool um rocking the working class shirt on that which is badass but you, you get to see like you know what you talk about in this episode, whether it's whitetails or out west. Like you, you back up what you talk about, and I feel like that's very important. Anybody um, that's serious, you you can pick up the passion, you yeah, know, for sure. And and you know quickly, there's a lot of people that enjoy hunting and like hunting, but when you are like minded with somebody, you pick up on that that deep passion and can relate to you, it. Quickly. You can tell in the first ten minutes of a conversation, someone. I say oh, yeah. five. How? What's five? <laughs> five, five minutes. I say five. I was trying to be gracious, but um, you can tell. Like if you're talking to a guy, you're like, all right, I can vibe off like how into hunting this guy yeah, really. You is. know which level you need to go to. You can yeah. like you can talk hunting. Yeah, you can talk extensive hunting, and then you can go to where we're at. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm sure with your profession too, you meet a lot of them people too. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them hunters and stuff. Drunk barbecue guys coming right. in there. <laughs> Absolutely. I the uh, the big one that I killed in 18 uh, the year before. When he was a big non-typical, I had him as my screensaver on my phone. And we were in Oshkosh, Wisconsin for a big event. 
and uh, my phone, we were having an issue with the Square app, and I sent my, I tried to open it on my phone, and I set it on it, and the guy's like, Jesus Christ, where's that? And I'm like, you Hunter, you got any property? Yeah. <laughs> What's up? I didn't come to Wisconsin, but uh, I could. <laughs> Free barbecue for life, right? Oh, there you go. Um, okay, so let's talk about, you have, you do hunts in New Mexico. Yeah. I mean, you do hunts about everywhere, but um, New Mexico is the topic of this podcast, sure. New Mexico elk, to be more specific. Um, why New Mexico? Um, so year in 2011, I used to film for a hunting television show and my first elk hunt was through them and they sent me to a private ranch in New Mexico Mm -hmm. and it was an amazing experience. Like I I couldn't, as a kid, my dream hunt was always elk. And, and in my mind, it was a horseback ride into Jackson Hole specifically. Mm-hmm. But going to New Mexico, and I went with a good friend that was also filmed, and we got out there, and it was just elk bugling in every direction. And every day we were seeing elk, and it wasn't nasty, disgusting topography that would just absolutely murder you. You know, I mean, yeah. it's there, yeah, and. The, the last unit that we hunted the last two years, it was that type of train. I mean, it would it would kick your ass if you weren't ready for it. You know? right, and we right. were up to 11.5. You know, most of the days we were right around like the 9,000, 9, 10,000 foot mark. That's yeah. getting up there. Right. And anything over 600 foot where we're at. Right. <laughs> it's a motherfucker. About 6,000, you start feeling it. Yeah. And, you know, New Mexico is a, a straight lottery state. So there's no preference points. There's nothing other than buying a landowner tag and going out there, mm-hmm. which honestly, the first time we went out there, it was under a landowner tag. So the outfitter that they were, uh, the TV show was partnered with, um, we applied through him and we didn't get drawn. And he had just started another, he had split off from a different outfitter and just started up. He bought all these ranch tags and he had two that he was willing to give us just to get out there to make a TV show. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. So it was an experience of my, you know, there's no way at, you know, 30 years old, I was going to drop $12,000 on an elk hunt. Right, you know I mean? right. And we went out there and it was everything I could possibly imagine. Like it, it, we were on elk the first day, my buddy shot a great six by six that come walking into 17 yards, Oof. you know, on the fourth day. Then we hunted hard because I was hunting this specific bull. And Which is never easy, no matter what anybody says. Yeah, right. Because I just had to I say that shit because someone's going to talk shit. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, you don't. You don't get it. No. You, if, you, if you're talking shit on that, you don't understand. Totally. Like what we're going back. Like you, you, don't, you don't get how it works. So th- <laughs> that watching him kill, and he had hunted elk for nine years and hadn't killed one. Oh no! Kidding. And when that bull, he shot it on a on a seventeen yard straight frontal, and that bull whirled and ran seventeen yards and fell on his face, and he lost his shit. Came unglued. Like, came oh, unglued, but... crying. Like it was it was awesome. And I was like, this is cool. You know? Yeah, like, uh, ass that's man. how I. If I yeah. shot an elk, it'd be freaking waterfall. Yeah, be so man. Nuts. Oh, yeah. So we we after he killed, we hunted from, that was September 4th. We hunted all the way to the 11th and we were after this bull and we stocked in and I got a little overzealous and was really wore out on day 11. And I, I shot a raghorn Yeah, and 11 days is a long time. But I'll tell you what, dude, I'm uh, no lie shooting that raghorn and was the epitome of my vision of elk hunting and on camera, 
I was trying to hold my shit together. Right. And like my eyes were wilding up and like my <laughs> voice is cracking, you know, and like I'm trying to hold it together so I don't look like a damn idiot on TV, you know, and I was like, oh, my God. So I held my shit together. And then the next day, this other guy, um, Bobby Gonzalez was his name. If he's out there listening, he was from California, newer, new hunter, super cool dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he had paid for two hunters, one guide. And uh, we're like, dude, we know where this big bull is. You know, if if the outfitter's cool, we'll take you in there after him. Yeah. And the outfitter's like, yeah, sure, whatever. You guys are free guides. You know, it's private right. ranch, so we qualified to take other people out. That you oh, didn't no have kidding. to not have an outfitter's license. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went out. We got in on that, that bull, and as we're cresting over the hill, we hear a fight break out. Just two bulls crash together, mm-hmm. and we sprint to the top. And as we top over the the, the ridge. The loser, which is like a 300-inch bull, was coming up the the ridge towards us. So Bobby and Kevin kind of eased down to try to head them off, and I stayed there trying to cow call and get him to circle. Well, the bull that won, which was the bull that I was after for the entire time, heard that and thought the loser was taking cows with him. Oh, Oh, And I I look over my shoulder, and I just see a rack walking straight at me. And I'm I'm in the wide open. I laid down on the ground and I grabbed the bill of my hat to hold my head up so I could see this bull go- coming right. And they saw me lay down and they're like, "What's going on? What the on? fuck is he, right. is he doing?" So this bull comes up and was he taking a nap? He's he's like <laughs> ten yards on the other side of this juniper and he cut their tracks where they walked down the hill after yeah. that other bull and he stood there and he didn't know what to do. And then the cows had followed him up the ridge. And they were kind of circling around, and they busted Bobby and Kevin moving and whirled. Or I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So he started leaving, and then they cow called, and he turned, and he started walking straight at me, mm-hmm. looking at them over the ridge. And, how, how far is he from you right now? Uh, about 10 yards. Oh, shit. And oh, damn. he's walking straight at me. I'm laying flat out on the ground, holding my head up, and this bull... And is, this is the bull you were after yeah, all week. Yeah, he ended up... He was... <laughs> 300, 10 yards. 325 inches. Salt and wound. He's Salt coming wound. right at me, and I'm like, oh, my God, do I jump up to a bull that came in aggressively, or do I just lay here and get stepped on? Because that's where my the, I thought was going to happen. Right. And get, he, get fucking stepped I'm on. I'm telling you right now, he was from me to you, and he stopped because the cows came in behind him and busted them moving, trying to get a shot at him, and they whirled, and he turned sideways, broadside, right there at, like, three yards. You could have rambled his ass. Ripped out <laughs> a bugle and then walked over the hill. Oh, my God. That was the most intense thing in my life. I stood up, and the guys were like, holy shit, they had no clue. Like, what Dude, did just when you, when you hear be... one bugle at 50 yards, it, it just, your hair stands up. I couldn't imagine being that it close. It was the most life. intense thing. Like, my heart was pounding. It was, and, and at that point, I'm like, after killing mine and experiencing that, and I'm like, I got to come out here. And, so you, and then you're just automatically, I mean, there's no way you can't be hooked after having that type yeah, of experience. Yeah, there's no way. If you, if you have a hunting inkling in your blood then you're hooked yeah so especially experience that, like that i mean it's like <laughs> i started applying you know to to go on my own and didn't draw and didn't draw for and like d- public or just to go back to yeah, that place just or whatever to, um public probably whatever you could get so really. <laughs> um kevin the guy that i went out with became extremely good friends with the outfitter and kevin's like a world-class taxidermist in missouri and uh I called him up, and I at this point I'm like, I want to, I'm going to pay for a private ranch hunt because I want to tag, right? I yeah, want to yeah. go back. So he called me up, or I called him up, and I said, Do you think you know Brian has any tags left? And he's like, well, Probably not for this year. And he's like, You know, 
and it was right before the entry for for the lottery and he's like but if i'm if i wasn't loyal to brian and friends with brian i would go with this guy this young guy isaiah gonzalez he's like the guy is a legend in the area Mm -hmm. he he is lives in the mountains like 300 days a year knows every bull on the mountain finds hundreds of elk sheds every year and he's like if he's he's a legend Mm -hmm. he's and so i'm like well What's his number? <laughs> so, hey, we need to get this guy on the podcast. So I, yeah, like. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I started looking him up on Instagram, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, his, he had just killed, like, a 385-inch bull, and uh, he shot at late-season archery, which is a 1% success rate, less than 1% success rate. He stalked in on his bull bedded on video and shot this bull, and he's 385. Oof. You know, and... I'm like, yeah, this cat looks like the guy I would like to hunt with. So <laughs> I, contact him. I contacted <laughs> Good him resume. and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no you know, just talking to him and he, he's so like laid back and like, he, he's almost like therapeutic talking to, like, he doesn't seem like he, like, like a gets, Morgan Freeman voice. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> you know he's, I mean? he's just kind of soft and he's like this 145 pound little Mexican dude, you know? And I'm like, this guy's a killer, you know? So, um, you know, I told him what I wanted to do, and he's like, "Yeah, absolutely, we can." You know, I I said I want to hunt elk, so he I said I don't care what unit it is, whatever you want to, whatever you think will give me the best experience is what I what I want. So yeah. he put me in, and uh, and then like the week later, my buddy Dave, he's like, "Dude, that's awesome! I I want to do that." And I'm like, "Well, call him up, see, get apply." So we applied as a party tag, and. We hit the lottery and because you either draw or you don't. Yeah, you either draw or you don't. What, and, what are the odds in that type of draw? Um, so it's if you just go basic. So um, I hope my numbers are right here. So I believe eighty four percent of the tags go to residents. Ten percent get put in an outfitter pool, and then the six percent that's left over goes to non residents. So you have a little better chance by applying for the outfitter pool than yep. as a non-resident. Right. So that's, that's honestly why I wanted to do it. Cause I wasn't, I was hitting zeros <laughs> yeah. as yeah. a non-resident. So, um, my buddy Dave, you know, he, he was like, we're, he's like, I'm lucky. Now Dave killed a 272 inch deer and is the luckiest deer, deer, white tailed deer, number five all time. Oh, a white tailed deer, white tail. So that's not, not an elk. Shabby elk. Not an elk. That, yeah, that was I, his goal. That's, I was like, that's almost Pope and Young for an elk. That's what <laughs> that's, I thought you were going. That was his goal when, when he talked to Isaiah. He's like, look, I killed a two seventy two white tail. I can't kill an elk smaller. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> a two hundred seventy two inch white tail. Yeah, it's all number five in Ohio all time. Holy it's shit. it's insane. That's why Ohio is the best state for white. <clears throat> I meant yeah. Illinois. Oh, Ohio, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Indiana, 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 right? Kentucky, Connecticut, Kentucky, Connecticut, yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania. So, yeah. So we went out there, and uh, you know, it, it was a great experience. Went out, hunted with Isaiah, and Isaiah is not big into the calling. He likes stalking up into the herds, following the He's herds. A Clint Casper guy, and you know, once. Once the herd kind of settles down, you sneak in, get in there tight. And, and get in tight, and he'll he'll challenge them, and you know the bull comes in. That's amazing. So, so what you're saying is this guy's got his shit figured out. He <laughs> like he's not an outfitter. Like this guy, and I, I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but I'm a freaking fanboy. Like right. it's hey, one listen, thing. There's nothing wrong with being 
like a fan of somebody's style of hunting and looking up it, to someone or respecting the way they do it. Like, I respect the hell out of him because yeah. it's one thing for somebody like Austin or Ross to know every whitetail on their 400 acre farm or whatever. Right. This son of a bitch knows every bull elk in 72 square miles. <laughs> like it, it's unreal. He's like the Trey Heiner in New Mexico. Yep. It, it It's absolutely unreal. Like we... And and when you go out hunting with him, you're looking for a specific bull. He is going to take you to target the biggest bull that he knows of in that unit. Yeah. Like it's, so when you give him an idea of like, hey, I want to shoot this this is caliber of, of bull, and he's like, oh, yeah, old Fred, we can go after him. Yeah, we got to just over on Ridge number four. Let's right. go, we're going yeah. after Carl. So, and so I got more stories that are just so <laughs> cool that about Isaiah. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, when, when you target a specific bull, we were going in and we were going to target this 330-inch bull that was in this unit that it's hard to get a bull that big in this unit. The, the numbers are ridiculous. We were hearing two to 300 bugles a day, oh, and geez. you would see 40 to 50 bulls a day. Oh, my God. But... They were all raghorns, four points, five points. That's still really fun, small though. Six. But it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, exper- amazing. the experience yeah. itself yeah. has yes. to be worth the worth even yes. going out there. Just to 100%. get to hear that animal make that sound in his environment, to me, like, I'd go out and hunt cow elk, and then just to hear a bugle would, like, I still remember that. I was 14 years old. It was just, it makes the whole hunt when you get to hear that. It, it's amazing. And to be able to do, de- I mean, you literally, you're sitting there at lunch and there's bu- bulls in their beds bugling in every direction. Right? You're sitting, sitting there eating a sandwich. And you're like just chilling out and you're like, you want to go after him? Nah, he's not really big enough. You know? you know? <laughs> just that sort of thing. And so it ended up, we were, we were his, he had a spotter out and he spotted the big bull and he was like two miles from us. And we were, mm-hmm. we were heading to him and, uh, we, uh, well, he, we were sitting down looking at like a 300 and. 300 inch bull six yeah. by six across the valley which i would and I then would his buddy over. Oh, buddy yeah. texted him and he's like hey um we my my spotters spotted that big bull he's like um um it, it's like three miles i'm like well i got one question why aren't we walking and he's like let's do it so we packed oh. up and was he like questioning your midwest like motivation? I, I don't know if he yeah maybe trying to test probably you. probably to, yeah, yeah i mean that's it's a long way it's a fair question and it's a pretty it's a pretty rugged unit and that's uh, a long ways at yeah. 11,000 or whatever right. elevation yeah. you're at. <laughs> and we were at 7,000 when we started. This. Right. So we, uh, we started out to him and as we topped the ridge, we got into these a couple bulls that were screaming and he's like, um, and I told him, you know, I'm, I said, I don't want to sound cocky or whatever, but I'm, I believe in myself. I don't need mm. you to be beside me when, when the moment of truth happens, like, I need you to put me in the elk or I want you to put me in the elk. Yeah. On top of that, it's, it's on me. Right. right. And he's like, that's great. He's like, I'll stay back here. I'll stay back. I'll do the calling. You move in. Mm-hmm. And this bull was kind of hung up and, um, he stayed up on the ridge and every time he would bugle, he'd pop off mm-hmm. and he'd bugle, he'd scream back. Right. And you could tell he was slowly coming and I just started easing down the ridge because so we you're could kind of wait for him to bugle. Right. Find where he's at. And then you kind of like inched in. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I could tell he was coming, but I didn't, we didn't know what he was. Mm -hmm. And I got down to the bottom and there was a a really straight wall ravine coming up the canyon, you know? And I I was like, the bulls have to, has to come around the head of that. He's not coming below that. Right. Right. And then I hit my wind puffer. I got the wind direction. I was like, I need to be about 30 yards over there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hurry up and, you know, that the pine needles you can ease pretty quickly mm-hmm. 
I hit my knees and I no more than hit my knees and I looked across and I could see that bull's feet coming and he came right around the head of that right exactly where I thought he was going to and when I saw him I was like oh he's a six by six but I'm not gonna shoot Mm -hmm. and he was nice you know and then he come up the hill and I hit record on my tactic cam and he just keeps coming and he keeps coming and he's keep, I'm like, man, this bull's going to walk by me at like 15 yards. Yeah. And then he kept like angling towards me, angling towards me. And that son of a bitch turned and came right around the tree. I was knelt behind and I shit you not from the, from his front hoof marks to my knee marks was nine feet. No Holy shit. shit. And he like, it's all on the tactic cam. Like he comes around that tree and he just stares at me for a second. And he was like, at this point, my heart's like beating out of the side of my temple <laughs> oh, and throat and everywhere else. And he whirled and ran 50. He had no clue what I was. He just knew I didn't belong there. And he whirled, stopped 15 yards and the excitement got me. And I just, I smoked him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so but he, you did I, shoot I him. I don't blame yeah. him for that. I ended I up shooting him. I'm all in. And Count me You in. know, the Smoke fact that, that I knew food. I was yeah. re- hey, recording. Zap that, what did Ross say? Zap that prick right in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the fact that like I knew I was recording, he was six feet from me, you know, the whole uh, nine yeah. yards, it, like all that just came together and I, I, I drilled him and he ran 50 yards and i snuck up the ridge and right as i got to isaiah we could just hear antlers dragging down the hill as he was sliding down the canyon side Fuck yeah and uh that was pretty <laughs> awesome so then my buddy dave shot a really nice six by six on his hunt out there and i got to be with him and dave damn his i'll show you guys the recording of dave it's the greatest it's the epitome of why we all hunt he absolutely lost his shit he it was the last day of his hunt and he shot this bull and he ran off and I got down to him and we're standing there listening and talking. And all of a sudden we just hear the bull crash and Dave like fell to the ground. And Dave's at this time, he's a 58 years old. He's oh, in no really shit. good shape, you know, but he absolutely had a meltdown. And he's like, he's like, fuck that hunting property. I'm selling it. <laughs> I'm coming back every year. You know, that's, that's awesome. awesome. And uh, what so a, what an experience. Just you? feeding the addiction. And then uh, that year, Isaiah shot himself. He drew a tag on in the, a good unit, and he shot another 380-inch bull. God, and no this way. bull, listen to this story. So he knew this bull for like four years, was applying for the tags, what wasn't drawing tags. He learned this bull and followed his bull. He knew where the bull summered. He knew where he, he would add, he would migrate to his breeding grounds. He knew where his breeding grounds was and he would follow this bull all summer long. And he knew every year from the previous four years, when he got to his breeding grounds, he hit one specific water hole first. I remember this story. And this bull, he, he, he followed him all summer he lost him right before he got into the dark timber and he lost him in the timber. And he's like, well, he's right on track to be there right on time as usual. So the first week of first season, he goes in and sits that water hole and he hears him and he, he recognizes his bugle and he's like, okay, he's in the area. Mm-hmm. And that evening he old beams, he called him beams. Cause he had like 78 inch beams. He <laughs> comes walking in and he freaking smokes him. He runs 20 yards and done. Dude, now, that guy, just, that's just, that is dialed to the that's, max. Yeah, that's we, need to, we need to talk that's, to this guy. That's whitetail hunting elk. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when you're talking again, we're hunting deer on 200 acres. This guy's hunting right hundreds of square miles and this, knows all these. This things. guy has his doctorate in like, elk. He yeah. recognizes the elk. <laughs> he, honest he's, 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 he's freaking Austin of New Mexico. Like everybody down there knows him. We need to get this guy on the podcast. He sounds like an interesting cat. Like what's funny, like the way you're explaining this guy is how 
our buddy Trey Heiner is yep. up in mm-hmm. Wyoming. But I talked to Trey. Like Trey is not a social guy. He's a cowboy. Mm-hmm. So when I'm like, dude, why aren't you posting? Like he's showing me pictures on his phone. Like when we're in camp, yep. I'm like, why aren't you posting that on your Instagram? Like you'd be booked out. He goes, I don't need to post this. Like I'm already booked out. Right. He goes, if I post this, he goes, anybody that has a tag in this area can go get these. Yeah. He goes, I don't want people knowing what I'm right. going to get right. and what, what deer and elk and all this. I know and Isaiah posts some stuff, but like he posts a lot of like shed season is amazing. Like he comes out with hundred pounds of antler on his back. Every like, when I go to Instagram, there's nothing I look at other than my story. I look for Isaiah's postings because it's always something crazy. Something you know it's going to be something and good. Yeah. He's like, oh, I found this 27-pound antler today. Right. It's a great day. <laughs> you know, he sounds like a cool dude. He's a young guy, you said? Yeah, I think he's 30, oh, 31. Shit. So shit. when are we going to New Mexico? Right? That's right. I mean, however long it takes us to draw a 50-50 <laughs> odds tag. Well, <laughs> that's that's the thing. You know, the the tags are strict lottery. But if you play the cards right and you find the units that aren't known about that have very few tags in them, like the one unit that he applied me for this year, there there's only, uh, I think, one tag for in the outfitter pool, but only 10 people applied for it the year before. Mm, so you're one in odds. 10 odds. So yeah. right. Sounds like we need to talk to this guy if we're so, going to New Mexico. So without giving your secrets away, if someone wants to hunt elk in New Mexico, do, do they apply at the state and then pick their unit, or they pick a unit and apply at the unit? Um, so you, you have to log on to their website. You have to make an account, and then you go through and you pick your, your unit. So they break it down. It's not like uh, Colorado or whatever where you go in, and I may be wrong. I've never even hunted Colorado, but I believe <laughs> um, you have. So their archery season's split into first and second. Mm-hmm. First archery is September 1 through the 15th. Second archery, I'm sorry, the 14th. Second archery is the 15th through the 25th. Then they have their muzzle loader season, which is, I think, four days. Then they have a rifle season and I think another rifle season or whatever. So mm-hmm. they they break it down to where you have a lot of options. And that way they're getting, you're getting the best quality hunt. Because you know if they just had an archery season, everybody's going to be there. Yeah. The, the same the, time. The same time. Right. They're in the peak rut. So that's so that, why they break it up. Correct. Yep. And it, Smart. It, 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 it works out really well. It, I, you'll see people, it's all wilderness, public land, and you'll see people, especially if you're hunting, you know, the one year we hunted at the ski resort over there, and uh, there was a bunch of people in there, but there's a bunch of elk in there. Yeah. You know, and, and a bunch of land. And a bunch of land. Yeah. Right. So, and it's, they got, people are lazy, you know, like we got into the rugged country and we got away from everybody. Right. We, we climbed up to 11,000 feet. Everybody else was sitting around the 9,000 foot mark, you know? Yep. Yeah. So yeah. there's ways to get around it. And, but, uh, it, it's, there's nothing like it. And as long as you can't decide you want to go elk hunting next year and be like, I'm going to go to New Mexico, unless you're going to fork out you know, 6,000 bucks on a private ranch tag or something. Right. Because, you know, and they keep going up. You know, a couple years ago, they were 4,000. Now, and then they were 5,000. Now they're 6,000. So, am I wrong to think that the 6,000 is not that much money? Well, here's how I justify looking at that. Because I thought about it last year when I didn't draw a tag is you're going to spend, but if you get an outfitter and you go out there, you know, an outfitter fee is going to run you 5,000, 6,000 bucks. That's the price of your tag. Mm-hmm. If you go out there on a landowner tag, and you hunt on your own, it's six thousand bucks. So yeah, I mean, really, when you look at it like that, it, you know, weigh your options there. My, yeah. my, here's my <laughs> thing, and you know, 
growing <laughs> up hunting whitetails, of course, in whitetail country, I grew up with a guy named Jim Burns. And Jim Burns is a, a guy that I've talked about many times, a guy I've looked up to, and someone that I want to get on the podcast so bad. I, it, he's a little more old school as in, like, he might not take to the podcast scene, but you get him out there at the green room at the bar, right. he, he doesn't even drink. But you get him in that atmosphere, the dude just tells the best story. So it's just getting him in here and getting him to talk. But um, I'm, I'm like losing track of what the where the fuck I was going with it. <laughs> um, I was talking about, you know, hey, I want to buy property or buy a lease or whatever. He goes, mm-hmm. why? He goes, save that money for a whitetail lease. He goes, hunt what you can when you can. He goes, and then take your three to six thousand dollars you're going to pay in a whitetail lease every year and go on a hunt yeah yeah he goes you you'll get more out of that one week or week and a half of hunting than you will in a season of whitetail he goes you've killed a lot of good whitetail right and i kind of get that and i think maybe eventually i'll probably be that guy and that's that's honestly that's kind of where i'm at like i've i've killed you know a fair share of of good whitetails and I can't hunt elk in my backyard. And if I want to travel to hunt, I'm hunting something I can't kill in my backyard. Yep. And elk, there's, there's nothing like it. When you get out there and they're screaming and they're, you smell them and you get downwind of a herd and you smell them and that like just everything in your, you're in God's country and it's just, there's nothing like it. Like yeah. it, it, have them at it, three feet. Yeah. Have, have them at three feet. <laughs> Worried about dying. Yeah. Steps on your Take sternum. Figure what you're going to do to survive. It's, it, there, there's, it's just amazing. And well, you know, now that we know what draws you to South Dakota, like where, like that Mexico. Let's say South Dakota. Yeah. What the fuck did I? Say I don't South know. Dakota? I was like, is he going Where'd to South come? Dakota? Or yeah, I, I was wondering. New Mexico. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> hey, we bought your tag. Yeah, surprise. That's one of those moments. You know, when you're in the shower and you're thinking about an embarrassing moment, you just let the water run on your face. That's how I'm gonna <laughs> that's, do. That's you tomorrow morning. <laughs> hey, to be fair, uh, the Buckstrom boys are just here, so maybe that's why I'm 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 going. I don't know what draws you to New Mexico. I want to get into some social media questions now now that we're aware of like what brings you out there why you like it so much and like why you go back sure so uh, i liked how it was focused on new mexico in general and people have of course general questions on just elk hunting but then maybe there's hopefully some uh specific new mexico questions in here so i'm going to start with some of the facebook questions first uh jacob johnson great guy uh big supporter of ours uh best broadhead for elk hunting uh, for real though, e-scouting would be awesome to go over a bit. Uh, what you're looking for? How do you go with confidence um, when you've never been out there before? Which you have. Maybe touch on techniques on how to get close once you finally find them. Sorry for the long-winded comment. Well, don't do it again, Jacob. Uh, let, let's start <laughs> with get bounced. Let's start. With, let's start with the um, the broadhead question. So obviously that's so open-ended, but I'm, let's I'm, just go with this. Let's go with this. Specific, just expandable or fixed. Well. For anything under elk, I go. I, I shoot a sever broadhead. Mm-hmm. Um, elk, I, I shoot fixed elk and moose is fixed blade. So I, I shoot the, the Exodus broadhead, Q80 Exodus broadhead for uh, 125s on uh, Victory VAP elites. And honestly, they're the. I don't know if it's a combination. I don't know, but I've shot a lot of shit, and even. Like Isaiah is the outfitter. When I shot that bullet 15 yards, my arrow blew through him, flew another 20 yards, and buried. If you've ever been around a dead standing juniper, it's like concrete. Mm -hmm. And it buried to the back of the broadhead in that dead juniper after it passed through an elk. 
And like we, we went down to look for my hair and he's like, usually they're just laying here on top of the ground, right on the other <laughs> side of where you shot. And then you saw my fletching like way down through the, the, the woods. So, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. That's, that's impressive. And then, um, Dave last year with his, the bull he killed last year, he shot that bull at 65 yards, same setup. And he blew through it at 65. So that combination with the, the VAP elites and that QAD broadhead is, is pretty nasty. Just working good, huh? Yep. Uh, Chris Zeger asks, uh, he's also from Ohio. Do you do any type of training or workouts prior to going out to be in shape? If so, what do you find works best? Stair stepper, stair stepper, stair stepper, backpacking. That's mostly what I see people doing is like stair stepper workouts. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start. Like, if I know I'm going, well, you obviously don't know you're going until typically around April, but in January, I'm usually fat as a hog after a hard, difficult whitetail season of laying around <laughs> and eating shit. We can yeah. sympathize, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been there. And, uh, we've, all, we've all been there. So in, in January, I'll usually start hitting the treadmill and the, the uh, stair stepper and drop about 20 pounds. And then come April, when I find out if I draw or not, then I step it up a notch and I'll start all hard. backpacking, weighted backpacking, stuff like that. So. Getting ready. Yep. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, bless you, Eric. Ooh. Andrew Moon, uh, best piece of advice you give a beginning elk hunter. Uh, P.S. You guys rock. Thank you, Andrew. Great uh, question. That's a tough one. It all depends on your whitetail experience. I feel like if you are a proficient whitetail hunter, what elk hunting will come naturally. You like your your moves, when to move, and you can get away with so much more noise and stuff as long as they don't smell you. They're, they expect to hear noise. They, you know, mm-hmm. elk are loud. If you they ever get around, they, they, rocks rolling, sticks breaking, like that's, that's not strange to them. So if you are over, um, sen- I don't want to say sensitive. What's the word I'm looking for? If you're over cautious conservative. and, and conservative, yeah. it'll bite you in the ass elk hunting. Cause you need to, you need to know when to move and be confident in what you're Get in after. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's one thing I noticed when we were hunting in Oregon and we had elk move in on us. I'm like, I'm sitting there with Brandon Polinick. I'm like, these things are fucking loud. He's like, dude, I'm telling you, like, they're loud. And and when you're hunting elk and they come in and you're being quiet, that's what triggers them to go in on alert because they're expecting to hear that mm-hmm. shit. Right. And they're like, oh, there's a cow over here. And they walk in and all of a sudden it's like crickets. And they're like, okay, this bitch should be making noise. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Jeremy from, from Buckstorm that we had on uh, a couple weeks ago, the first time I ever elk hunted was with them guys. And we were like sl- slipping through the woods. We were doing over the counter elk hunt in Colorado. And he's like, dude, elk are loud. He's like, break, you hear branches breaking, sticks in the ground breaking, like you said, rocks. He was like, it's sort of like if a horse was just walking exactly, through. Exactly, right. Sound, they sound like horses tromping around. Yeah. yeah. You can almost hear their gut popping yeah. when they're when they're walking or running. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I didn't really get it until that day in Oregon when they moved in. I'm like, they are, yeah, okay. Like that, it's almost like. I mean, you got to think it's an 800-pound animal walking through the timber. Well, right. You yeah. know, it's, it's almost... Uh, when you think of it that way, and you have to wor- you have to worry a lot less on how stealthy you are when you move through the woods, like compared to like stalking a whitetail. Yeah, it's like almost if you're, if you're moving in day. for the kill, moving in, it's, yeah, it's one thing. But like if you're just covering ground and and calling to them, and that that's not, that noise doesn't make. You can just but beat if, feet. 
But yeah. if you're stocking in on a, a herd that's bedded down for the afternoon and you're trying to get a shot on a bedded bull or something yeah. like that, then yeah, yeah stealth plays a yeah, fact. Yeah, much but different. Yeah. It, uh, in general, though, when you're moving cross-country, moving in on them or whatever, the, the sound is not as Step nearly. on every stick possible. Right. Smack <laughs> a few across trees. You're just calling squatches. Um, but I guess, like, beginning advice, really, I mean, um, that'd be it. Don't be over-conservative. Yeah, I would say don't be over-conservative. Because you got to know when to move. And if if the thought comes in your head, you should probably do it. Yeah. And if you sit back, then the elk's going to be on you, and it's going to be too late. That's a good mental breakdown, I think. Um, Gene Miller, shout out to Gene. Um, good dude, veteran, big supporter of ours. A few items of gear that are a must out west hunting versus Midwest hunting. Uh, we talked about this earlier in the, in the green room. In the green, yeah, the bar. <laughs> the, <laughs> nice. well, air, air quotes here. The green room's better. I like that. The uh, stocking shoes, definite big thing if you're mm. going to move in on on elk to have because especially if you're backpack hunting and stuff like that. Because me, I like a minimalist boot. I don't like a real stiff, heavy boot. Like I like to feel every rock under my feet, and uh, I, I wear a really light boot. But if you're carrying, what boot do you wear normally? Crispy I mean, Laponias. Do you okay? Actually, the the ones I have on my feet are the Camhain boot because I loved them. They felt felt like a tennis shoe, mm-hmm. um, but the waterproofing on them sucked. Really, what is it, like an Under Armour deal? It's yeah, it's Under Armour, so that explains why it sucked. But <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard guys, and I don't know shit, so I'm not talking shit. I'm just repeating what people have told me. I've talked to probably four of my buddies that have bought that boot. And it, it's so mixed on the reviews. Like, it, it's super comfortable. The first 60 miles on it, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was the greatest boot ever for me because, I again, I like a minimalist. I like feeling, and it feels like a tennis shoe on your foot, and it's a pound on, you know, it's super light. Um, after 60 miles, it started developing a little bit of a squeak on the in the tongue as you were stepping. It's not loud, but it's faint. Mm-hmm. And then it, like... 80 miles, the waterproofing just went out of it. Just went to shit. Yeah. So, but you know, it is what it is. I, <laughs> I got, I got two hunts out of it or well, not even two hunts, Yeah, but you got to spend money to, I'm on the hunt for a new pair of boots for my Wyoming. So I just bought about a month ago, the crispy Laponias and mm-hmm. I, they are my new go-to like, go-to. I know you, I heard you the other podcast, you're bashing on crispy a little bit but i'm not but trying to because i'll be you, honest i'm looking at the colorados now yeah you're looking at a more stout boot like the yeah. laponia is is it's again it's the flexibility ratings like you know a tennis shoe it's a pound yeah. it's crazy light um i really like it it's honestly like i i had to stop wearing it as a daily boot i was like oh i'll break it in and then i broke in i didn't even need a break in and i'm like this thing is awesome i just oh, i'm gonna uh, buy a second pair just to wear which one was that the laponias okay this uh, they're so comfortable the only thing like I, I i'll randomly get like issues with like planners fasciitis i want to put a, like a little more arch support yeah insole the custom in insoles or yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. yeah but other than that like the boot itself there was no break in time like i i the the day i took them out of the box i put them on and i went on a five mile weighted backpack hunt is, it, is that planners fasciitis is that like when you're the center of your foot feels like it's splitting yeah it's the the tendon that goes through the arch of your foot um gets too tight and uh and stretches basically stretches your foot out and then when you step on stuff it'll 
it'll cause pain. So I think I get that a lot because I, my whole life I've been like a skateboard BMX guy. I've always yeah. worn very flat shoes. Yep. So like, like vans, I always get like wear vans. A, a, um, a tennis ball. Start off with like a tennis ball and like you can stand on it and like roll rub it. Rub your like foot a, out. Yeah, roll it. It'll help stretch that tendon. Um, that was mm. huge for me. Um, and then I once you kind of get that, then I switched to a, like a harder like um, pull ball that uh, doesn't have it much give. And since I started doing that every random so often, it uh, like stretch like exercises it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it just stretches that tendon out. Doesn't keep it. It, it keeps it from getting overly tight because that's the issue. Is like when you sleep at night, your your feet go down, the weight of your blanket goes down, and that tendon, your Achilles tendon you know, shortens. And then in the, that's why you have so much pain in the morning when you stand up. Cause when you stand up, you're straightening your foot back out and mm. it's stretching all that out. And the first oh. few steps you take, it's like murder. So um, murder Brock Rolston. Uh, what's your favorite piece of gear that is a must for out West? Uh, favorite piece of gear for a must. I would say um, the stocking shoes again. Really? Like I, I think they're that important when you're in the mix because again, you're when you're packing in, people wear their packing boots, and then when you get right. into hunting, or maybe even a lighter pair of boots that you want to carry in with you. But the you know when you, for me, my my stocking shoes are water socks with wool socks stretched over them. Um, and they weigh next to nothing. So Whereas, I'm like totally new to these, but with the stocking shoes, like I'm pulling if, up one here. So if if you're unfamiliar, I don't oh, know go ahead. No, I was gonna ask like, so when you're you see a bull, you're about to stock in them. Is that when you put the shoes on? I or? do. Yeah, like if if I, you know, you're you're in the mountains, so typically the bull you're looking at is across a small canyon of some sort. Right. And before when I start at the 400 yard mark or whatever i'll, I'll change my boots change them out okay, okay. yeah so I, I want to give a shout out quick because i made a post on our instagram story because i wanted to get a pair of these for my uh, mule deer hunt coming up um devin leonard like recommended hey get a pair of these because if we spot a buck bed which we probably will you're going to want to slip these on and make a move so i don't know shit about shit so i made a post and uh the lone peak uh so if you're on instagram lone peak leather co uh lone peak stockaskin um, that's what I ended Great up name. getting. Um, I made the post, I tagged them in as one of them and they reached out and they're like, Hey, you know, if you want to try them, you know, just, you know, any questions, that's what they look like. Oh, nice. Hit us up, you know, and, and we'll help you out. And I just, the guy reached out to me and just seemed so down to earth and kind of self-made that I was like, yep, I'm in. So I ordered a pair. Nice. nice. So I think that that's an, and honestly, that's an overlook because most people, like I said, they're going to go packing in with all their shit in their gear, with their big, heavy, you know, stiff boot. And then when you get in the mix, that big, stiff boot works against you. So, yeah, right. Definitely. Yeah. There's just a, in a very critical moment of being like 40 ish yards from whatever you're going to kill, yeah. especially if it's bedded. And you have no ankle flexibility or any idea what's under your foot as you're about to place your weight. Right. You want to be able to feel like if a rock is loose yes. or whatever it may be, you know. I get that. Um, that's I, that's a good. I good think it's tip. way overlooked. Where, yeah. Where's the is sit, Sitka must for elk hunting comment? <laughs> where's that guy? That's probably coming on. <laughs> uh, Hunter sailors. What is the most overlooked item for Western hunting? Oh man, those are so. <laughs> let me similar. let me guess. I was going to say yeah, it's pretty much the uh, same question. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. The uh, moccasins. Stockasins. Stockasins. Um, for elk, is it a necessity to shoot seventy pounds? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Charlie Heater. Uh, for elk, is it a necessity to shoot 70 pounds? And if so, are there any suggestions on extra exercises to work up shooting that weight quickly? Hit the gym. It's not a necessity. Um, my buddy Dave, he shoots 60 pounds, um, and he got a complete pass-through on a really big, mature bull elk last year when we were out there at 65 yards. So um, it's definitely not a must. Maybe it's a must to shoot elite or uh, QAD broadheads on uh, <laughs> elite arrows, VAP arrows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's not a must. But if you want to pull it, then hit it doesn't the gym. hurt. Um, okay, we're going to Instagram now. There, there it is. Um, there's, there's a your... sick of gear one. Yeah, there yeah. it is. It's sick of gear a requirement for elk hunting. You know, it's just hilarious. Sick of getting a bash. Looking like, good right there. He's just bashing you because you're all dressed up in sick your uniform. Out. I'm sick it out. I um, <laughs> I have become, when I started, like, drawing elk tags and going out there, I was like, I always wore whatever, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I actually got the hookup with the 40% discount code like everybody gets when you <laughs> no one buys it full price. Nobody You're going to get some price. shit now. All right. So I'm like, you know what? Let me try this Yeah, but he's served, so, so he's good. He's good. So I, uh, I bought some. And honestly, like even when I was filming, you know, we got our shit pretty much free. Yeah. And the brands that we'd use, like I went on that moose hunt in Newfoundland. Like I went through like four pairs of pants. Like, And since I've bought Sitka, like... It holds up. Yeah. I'll give it that much. So is it a must? No. But do you get what you pay for if you get the 40%? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, expensive, but it's quality shit. Here's yes. the thing. you Anything that you really want to discount on, uh, like I know Sitka is good stuff. We, right now we're wearing Huntworth. Super happy with it, especially for the price point. Doug at, really probably has the whole thing figured out because Doug's the only single guy in the studio um, 99% of the time. And what Doug does, <laughs> he leverages his duck guide skills to use the women that get the heavy discount codes because their nips are usually out. And that's how he acquires the hunting gear that yeah, is separate from our It's really not that hard. Work smarter, not yeah. hard. <laughs> figure it out. Right. Do you have any like quick tips you could kind of throw in on this, Doug, to kind of maybe get a guy that wants to date a huntress but like is kind of a little nervous um, about it? Learn how to shoot ducks. Yeah. In, I'm going to say... Uh, yeah, it's a famous hunter. Yeah, I'm going to say like a, no you know, tips because it's hard out there, so... You got to keep... <laughs> eat shit. Hold that, <laughs> good luck. Hold that shit to your, to your chest. <laughs> keep that shit tight, son. <laughs> play on, play on. Doug's going to come out of the book here pretty soon. <laughs> play on, play on. Hey, round of You're applause like, for Doug on that. Homie for 1995, buy my book, bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doug's Guide to Infiltrating Instagram Pose. <laughs> That'll come out when I'm when I'm out the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. Um, uh, here's a good question, Dominic, uh, eighty eight Dominic dot s eighty eight on Instagram. Uh, we know Dominic, good dude. Do you drive or fly? If you fly, how do you ship meat, hide, and antlers? So the in 2011 when I went on my first elk hunt, um, we I flew. Well, flew slash drove. The um, my buddy I went with um, drove from Missouri. I flew into Amarillo. He picked me up in Amarillo at the airport, and then we drove the rest of the way. It was a real pain in the ass. So flying, um, I learned. I ended up giving him. I threw away all of my luggage and put packed my bags full of meat and anything left over. Kevin got. Um, to because it was just so expensive to ship it fly at all you know yeah and uh 
So I learned at that point that I was never going to fly out west when hunting again. Um, and then uh, so the last several times we drive, it's 25 hours from central Ohio to drive out there. We drive it straight. We just take turns right. driving and napping. Um, and honestly, driving at home is really easy. So we just take coolers with us. You know, you're typically like if you use Isaiah, he uh, and you kill early. He has a, a cooler that uh, he cools everything for you. And then uh, we boned it out, put it in coolers, threw some ice on it and drove it home 25 hours. And it wasn't an issue. Yeah. To get it right into a deep freeze pretty yep. much. Yeah. So you recommend driving? Yeah. Highly recommend driving. Okay. I'm dr- So we flew, Eric and I flew to Wyoming, Wyoming for a bear hunt, which is great. It would have been a pain in the dick probably to fly home with me. Maybe not. But uh, for Wyoming mule deer, I'm driving. Yeah. I'm going to leave like two days early and just take my time, enjoy myself and well, we got lucky I, because I, we had listeners going out and coming home, so they were able to take all of our oh, stuff. Nice. Yeah, we so we just flew shit. with a, well, a carry-on. When I, when I uh, killed my moose in Newfoundland, that uh, like you kill up there, and they only ship at the end of December, right? And they only ship to five places in the United States to a cold freeze shipping area, right? So once it's there, it's your responsibility to figure Go out get how to it. get it. So they're like talking and like, uh, we have this one in California, this one in Texas, and this one here. And they're like in Maslin, Ohio. I'm like, that's 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Damn. Like, perfect. So um, we, they ended up shipping it there and uh, shipping it to Texas. But, but the same thing, <laughs> yeah. like it, up the next time, if I, I was really getting the hankering to go back to Newfoundland and try shooting another moose. And uh, if I go, I'm going to drive. You got to take a ferry over there. But the same thing for every 50 pounds that you flew or shipped home was $200. Ooh, so, fuck. so yeah, you could figure now when I killed that moose, like they pick you up. We were there. They dropped us off on a lake on a float plane and we hunted. They came and picked us up on day 10. We flew 15 miles to the closest, I'll call it cabin area it looked like a bunch of sheds as we were le- landing on this lake that people lived in and those people that lived there knew the only guy that lived on landed on that lake was the outfitter right so we flew in and as we landed all those villagers came in and uh, you donated to them anything that you weren't planning on shipping home. home that's pretty cool that's yeah. that's a cool thing though that, that, that is a big deal to them for sure yeah. so and uh i i i shipped um when i ship 150 pounds in my antlers so that was all I was willing to pay at that time. <laughs> 200 and pounds. It, and it was the greatest meat that I ever have eaten. So, therefore, the moose ne- was. next time, yeah. What would you say, 200 for bucks for every 50 pounds? Yeah. Ooh, boy. You, you bring but it back with you on here, the plane. Here's it gets the cashy. deal. If you ship 50 pounds of meat, they ship your antlers for free. Oh, oh there, there you go. go. Hot so, damn. So, what did you take, 250 pounds, you said? Uh, I took 150 pounds 150 of meat in my antlers, so it was 600 yeah. bucks. That's a lot of meat. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is a lot of meat. And then... Uh, um, so, but I, I, ultimately if I go back, I want to bring the entire thing back because it's yeah. so good. That's what we're going to try to do. I think. Is but, it the same? Do they tell you it was about the same price? Oh, well, this it's was gonna, six years ago. So yeah, it's probably right. $900 every bit. <laughs> so it probably is COVID for us being in Alaska. We've got to get it to two points. So we got to get it from the small town where we kill him or close to that. So from Bethel to Anchorage is one price. And then when you get him into Anchorage, then you fly him back. You can do it that way, or you can truck him. There's a trucking company in Anchorage, so we're going to try to put all three, if we're lucky enough to kill three, 
put all of them on a truck and they bring that down to Chicago and we're going to pick the meat up in Chicago. And oh, it, not bad. Yeah. So then we'll have Damien come down and smoke it for us, right? Yeah. Make right. a barbecue out of it. Yeah. You time it better and maybe uh, when I'll be in Chicago for an event. Like, there I, you I go. Then we just come up and get to get some barbecue I, right off the can rip. Can I say how, what a shithole Chicago is? Plug it, dude. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a please. dumpster like, it fire. It doesn't matter. Like, please. 1130 please. at night driving through there. Now, I burn up a wheel bearing on my triple axle trailer coming in, right? Easily. So I just I just took the t- tire off and limped it in, right? Yeah. So I'm going through Chicago at 1130, 1145 at night. Assholes driving 95 miles an hour and like ripping in front of you and then slamming on the brakes when you're pulling a 14,000 pound trailer. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> these people are idiots. Dude, Chicago's like Chicago. the giant. Yeah. The biggest fucking shithole. What a the butthole of the earth. And everyone there is an asshole. Dude, I agree. <laughs> it, it really is. I've been to Chicago way too many times. And I have uh, I almost pissed my pants one time in Chicago on Lake Front Drive or Lake Shore Drive, whatever they call it. I pissed in uh, gridlock traffic. And I was worried I was going to get arrested because we were in Chicago. But that's a fun story about me. Um, <laughs> fuck Chicago. The yeah, they're probably used to it. You probably step out of your vehicle and take a piss in the gutter and everyone be all right. Dude, I, I just peed in the middle of good luck traffic i almost pissed myself and the whole time i'm like this place sucks so much ass how Ugh. anybody like and then we're at, at the event there's a, a team there that's from chicago and i'm like that's a horrible place i'm like yeah she's like oh, it's not that bad if you live there you know hardly anybody has a car you couldn't fucking tell it by the driving on the interstate I can <laughs> <tell you> that. <laughs> yeah, well, by what it. was the uh the stats from fourth do you see that the stats of deaths and shootings from chicago on fourth of july oh it's stupid it was like insane and like Beetlejuice herself up there, the mayor, you know, is doing such a great job. So. Yeah, good thing they're restricting all the gun laws. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. So, moral of the story: Fuck Chicago. Go to the, go to the, go to South Dakota or New Mexico yeah. or <laughs> Illinois or, or, or Ohio, Illinois. Indiana. Yeah, there's <laughs> Illinois and then there's Chicago. Yeah. Hey, hey Vermont. Has, Vermont has there good you go. white tails. Big. Huge white tails. That's what I heard. Monsters. New Hampshire is known for the yep. big white tails. I've Florida. New Hampshire. Have you? Florida. I have. How was it? When I was in the army, I hunted up there a couple times. Was it when good? I was in the army, like it was like whack them and stack them. Because was I, it really? I was, oh yeah, I was stationed down south, and I, I. Now this was from when I was eighteen to twenty-two, when like it was all about like body count because <laughs> you weren't killing anything big and You're going for quantity. Yeah, and I would I would shoot anywhere from sixteen to twenty deer a year with my bow. Jesus, you know, and Oof. I mean, but here here's a fun fact on Fort Bragg. Shout out is uh, I shot a doe and a spike in velvet, which is technically my first deer in velvet, but. Um, <laughs> nice. they, were, they were like three inch spikes. The, the doe, when you killed them on Fort Bragg, they, you had to take them back to the game warden shack on, on post mm-hmm. and they would take a tooth and they would age them and they would sometimes take a stomach sample or a uterus sample or whatever. Yeah. It was kind of cool. They actually had biologists on post there that did it and they aged that doe at five and a half years old. She weighed 57 pounds live weight. <laughs> no <Whoa>. shit. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's why I became such a good shot. <laughs> the, the, spike, at, yeah, that, yeah. That, the spike that I killed the same evening, they aged him at a year and a half old. He was 46 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Live like, weight. Live weight. That's not good. They didn't, want, they didn't want you gutting them. That's an Illinois fawn. Right. That, yeah, yeah, there's seriously. fawns out right now that weigh that much. So I'm, Hell, my freaking dog usually, weighs more than that. I would usually shoot like six in North Carolina was our tag limit. There. Well, yeah, you could and eat then, two of them in one sitting. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. throw them both on the grill. Cook them like wings. And then, uh, yeah, you got a big wing there. Sucking the we, meat out of the ribs. We'd go up to Virginia and we'd kill a few in Virginia. And I'd drive home every year in November and kill my limit in in Ohio and 
we bounced all over the place. It was, <laughs> it was straight body count. I didn't honestly like I didn't body start, count. start uh, getting crazy into the trophy thing till after I got out of the military and got back to Ohio and it was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's big deer here and let's kill some. That's cool though. That's a cool That's like cool. backstory. Yeah. So before we close out, what's your goal elk this year? <clears throat> 330 plus mm, like it's a very talking to isaiah um which um he is the unit i'm hunting is the unit he's killed both of his 380 pluses and um it's a really good unit and he knows six bulls that we will be specifically looking for um last year was a really bad drought all of them were mid 330s to 370 um, the one bull that he calls Willie, um, he's kind of a local, well, I won't even say local legend, but it's a legend to him. He has on public land, he has seven years of sheds of this bull. Wow. Oof. In his heyday, he was 365. He is now 13 years old and he's dropped down into like the 340 range. Um, <laughs> he dropped from 365 to like. 335 last year with the drought he was hoping he would spring up he just some of those photos i sent you the other yeah. night uh two of those photos is willie um and he's back up he feels like the 340 low 340s Damn. Oh, man, what's like the good. life expectancy on an elk they're in their prime around uh eight to ten um gotcha. and then they can start waning out after that Going downhill but, from there um, it's nuts a bull that's 13 on public land that was just that was crazy I mean, that, unheard of it's he's hard to get to, but talking to Isaiah, he's a really tough bull to hunt because oddly, like typically during breeding season, that bulls, big bulls will come in, take over a herd and that's his herd. Well, right. he said, you'll get on Willie. You'll hunt him one day. He's with this herd. The next morning you go back in get on that herd. Willie's gone. He's three miles away. I, he went over and took some other dude's bitches. He's out horned and, around. Yeah, he does. He's the Doug he of the, the <laughs> Yeah, you might as well call that bull Doug. He'll, he'll come in, take a herd over, see if there's any cows ready to breed, and then he moves on. I like and his style. So, yeah, right? Nice. And uh, <laughs> so he's a really difficult bull to kind of pattern, and yeah. that's probably why he's survived so long. It's kind of just predicting what herd he's going to check out yeah. next. Right. If you find him on one herd, it's... Yeah. And I'm sure... He's got kind of a rough idea. Like, well, I know there's a herd here, here, here. Sure. We need to get ahead of him. Well, just hearing from you talk about Isaiah, I'm sure he's got a game plan going on. Does he? Have, okay. I wonder if he has names for every herd. I'm sure um, he does, right? Not the herds. He, he names most of the bulls. Most of the bulls. And, and like last year, we paid him for, for a scouting fee, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he has multiple options. If you draw a tag on your own and you pay him, he'll be like, okay, there's there's big bulls here, here, and here. No, Don't that's cool. That is so, cool. You know, he, he does multiple different types of packages. You can do all-inclusive where he has a camp cook and whatever the case may be. Or, you know, you supply your own stuff and he just takes you out and guides you or whatever. But his So you can kind of customize your budget. Yeah, 100%. But he specifically will target the best bull in the unit that he knows of, so whoever it is, right? That's cool. Um and the guy's just awesome. Like, if if you'd follow him, like, it's Prime Tyne Outfitters on Facebook. Um, okay. Same thing on uh, Instagram. And, like, like he finds enough sheds. He started a dog chew company for antlers. <laughs> like, he, he cuts his antlers up and Sits sells and cuts them. them all day. Yeah. And if they're under 350, they get... They get chopped. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and he's an antler broker. Like he buys antlers. And I mean, the guy is just like the, what the amount of, I will say, I will bad mouth him on this part. So uh -oh. what, what is the one thing 
that as a whitetail hunter, you do not do on February 13th or 14th. Right. I did it. I've got a son November 13th. Yeah. Well, (laughs) he screwed up (laughs) and did it on December 20th, and he's got a baby due this year, September 20th. Oh, man. What were you thinking? Got to use your head. You got to plan them out, man. My daughter's born May 3rd, and our second one's due July 29th. Don't be a dummy. Put it on her tummy. Safe. I got one coming. I got one coming. Remember that. I got, I got one coming the first, the first week down. in October. It could be worse. Hell yeah. Here's first the thing, week in October's dude, okay. I become a truck driver, and I'm just backing the fuck out. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Truck driver method, baby. That's what we call it. Hey, and a word of advice, you don't have one more pump. Remember that. Yeah, listen. <laughs> you're not it's that not guy, that. pal. You're, you're not that guy. You're not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're weak. Mentally, you're not that you're strong. Not that guy. <laughs> listen, so, you're but, weak. Take that advice. If you if you listen to any piece of advice from this podcast, take that one. Take that one deep into your brain and pull it out when you need to pull it out. <laughs> Don't be a dummy. Put there. it on her tummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Words to live by. Don't be a dummy. Put it out. That's funny. Vulgar, but I love it. Round of applause for you, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> Someone take these buttons from me. All right. Well, man, thank you so much. Yeah. I feel like we learned a lot. It, I want to hunt in New Mexico now. I did too. Um, so I'm telling you, look up Isaiah, dude. There's the dude's, amazing. We'll have to uh, get in contact with him because I think he would make a killer podcast. Um, you know, I mean, maybe give away too much, but uh, right. maybe not. He he knows, I, I imagine, what he can and cannot say. Sure. But, and, um, you know, the, even like the unit that he put me in for this year, he's like, you know, because my buddy Kevin, that's really good friends with the other outfitter, he's like, I'll put you in, but mm-hmm. you can't be telling Kevin where I'm taking you. He's right. Like, I, he's right. like, I really like Kevin, but he's like, I can't. I can't. I get it. There's some top secret shit right. here. I, so I mean, it's tough out there. That's honest. But the cool thing about it, it's not Colorado. Right. You know, it's not like uh, Doug's going to listen and be like, oh, there's some Instagram girls down there. I'm going to go buy an over-the-counter tag. Right. And that's and just I, go. And I, I was saying around. that earlier. You can't decide you want to hunt elk in New Mexico this next fall and, and be like, oh, I'm going to go and make your plan and go. Right. You have to. My rule is I apply every single year. The years that I get drawn, I make it happen. Whether yep. it's convenient or not, I make it happen. Whether right. I can afford it or not, I make it happen. Because you never know when you're going to draw Because you never again. know. But you could go, there's guys that go eight years. Isaiah went seven years without drawing as a resident. Yep. Right. And then he drew three three years straight. Still pretty right. decent odds, so, though. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it pays you itself back. If, if you want to hunt New Mexico and get a hunt of a lifetime, you have to apply every year and you pay, I think it's 864 bucks out of pocket up front. And then if you don't get drawn, they reimburse everything, but your hunting license is like 160 or something. I think it's 160 bucks. Um, you know, I, I've drawn, I've applied, I think six times I've drawn three. So damn good. That's pretty good. It's 50, 50, 50, 50. Yeah. So it, it, um, you, it's amazing though. Like you, you can't get that experience. I don't think you can get. You can put in for points and shit for other states for twenty freaking years. Yeah, to get that experience that you would get, and maybe for the first year. And yeah, yeah Doug could put in t- tomorrow, next year, and draw for his first time hey, ever. And got any gr- girls down in New Mexico yet? We had to do a trade no. show down there. Holla. Any ducks in New Mexico? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But uh, I'll <laughs> there's probably it out. a lot of ducks in New Mexico. <laughs> We, I don't know. I don't go down there. We don't know shit about ducks, to be <laughs> honest. It's a good front. 
we'll figure it out. But it's a uh, it's a good time, and I uh, you know I'm probably shooting my odds in the foot by spreading the word. But honestly, like yeah, maybe you're nice not. Of you. Like you know, I Isaiah. The good thing with Isaiah is like he doesn't know who his clients are going to be every year. Like he may have sixty people apply through him, and you know six get drawn. Right. right. And then, but he ne- he always books up with residents that draw that know he's a legend, and mm-hmm. they like, hey, I need you to guide me. Yeah. When when we were hunting, his phone would ring, and he'd be like, Texas number. I bet you it's somebody that drew a tag, can't find out, wants me to find. It. And then he'd play the voicemail, and sure as shit, it was, hey, uh, I drew a tag, and I've been hunting for four days, and I can't find any elk. I was wondering if uh, you got any openings, you know, that sort of stuff. But Isaiah doesn't want to grow to the point where he's just pumping numbers out like he right. wants to keep it small and it's all about quality keep yeah. it quality. that's and, why his and, areas are good right yeah so he Smart. you know he that that's what i respect about him like he knows what his limits are and he doesn't want to just hunt it to you know to death and yeah. right and yeah. just to make money like he right. wants to give he doesn't want to every... go from 340 360s to 280s right. well that's yeah. a good outfitter I and mean, it's the same concept with the whitetail outfitter you can overbook and make a lot of money for three or four years but right. what's the end game right you you're just hurting your herd you only kill point. so many 130s before you run out of all deer yeah right. you want a reputation of having big deer right and you can't go out and just totally blast and, and he's got a everything. reputation for killing the big deer biggest bulls in the unit you right. know so that i mean that, no, that it sounds legit volumes, so He's uh, he, he's a class act. Like I, I respect the shit out of him for sure. Cool Good. man. Well, cool. we appreciate you coming in from Ohio and then from sh- from Chicago. Which uh, <laughs> at this point you'd probably much rather just drove straight from Ohio to here. I'd, I'd rather, but I'm I'm making money in Chicago. So hey, take Perfect. their money, man. Sell that barbecue. Take it, take it all. You want to shout out the barbecue biz? Mojo is famous barbecue. We uh, do the national rib burn off circuit and. Uh, Sling some world-class barbecue. It's badass. Pays for all my hunting addictions. That's it's crazy. So, it's it's it, so bizarre that you do that for a living. It, it seems so random. <laughs> I know it, it is. I, I kind of fell in my lap, and honestly, the reason I like pulled the trigger on it is I was like, wait a minute, it goes it's for four months out of the year and stops two weeks before hunting season. Yeah, I'll, perfect. I'm going to fucking do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out some barbecue oh and God. shit. I can own a business and run a business, and it doesn't affect hunting season. It was meant and to be yeah. four months out of the year. Beautiful. Well, any shout-outs, man? Any Anything, really? It's your time. Uh, what do we got? I just... Um... Just uh, Isaiah, primetime outfitters. Can't uh, say enough about him. Um, so hit him up. On Instagram, if nothing else, if you just want some quality ass content to watch, follow like, him up. It, follow him up. It's it's pretty awesome. He's he's good good stuff. To, and I, I no lie, like I the only reason I get on Instagram is either to throw a photo up there or to see what the hell he's got going on. So yeah, perfect. It's uh it's good stuff. Shows he just posted some of those bulls in velvet. He went in to hang cameras and walked up on nine bulls, and no you know one of them is a big bull. He calls hooks that he's just got phenomenal fronts that hook up and yeah yeah you know so it's um if you got the elk itch it'll help i like it man i'm yep. gonna start thinking about new mexico or south dakota it depends on where my brain goes <laughs> just not ohio this, uh, Indiana. this this whole podcast is to divert people yes. away from ohio yeah well, <laughs> kirk can go to ohio to kill elk if he wants to but, the way my brain worked for a little bit there i might actually go to new hampshire or uh vermont and try and kill a good elk anything can happen um you guys got anything to close out with 
Nope. nope. Really a lot did. of fun, man. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. It's good to have this you in the studio. This badass, man. You guys <laughs> did you. freaking knocked a home run on this bad boy. Thank That's you. pretty sweet. I'm glad you made it out, man. It always just makes for, it's it's much better than a phone interview, sure. you know, and it's cool to like get people in here and get to share a drink and share face-to-face. I mean, it's always good talking with hunters over the phone, but face-to-face conversation is just way different. For sure. And always way better. Yep. So, and I only had one drink on this podcast. I did too. Yeah, I we're. Like, yeah, that's the one thing this studio is missing is the the beer bitch. We, we <laughs> well, we we could have hollered at Wade out there outside the studio. We need one of them, uh, like the bank vacuum systems. You I got told the on air. You just need an intercom. When you start to tell them, when you start flashing the on air sign, that means bring <laughs> click, beer. Click, yeah. click, 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 that's click. what I told them. Like, we need to put one of those things at the bank where you put the hey. tube in, and <laughs> sucks it be, up. You know? That would be phenomenal. Just air. have everyone at every station. We need a combine beacon on the top. And just, <laughs> Turn it on. There you go. There you go. And we'll just switch it right here next to my mixer. I'm like, oh, do you need a beer? Or like one of those like trains at Happy Joe's where you just put a pile of beer on it and it comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Just grab all the beer off it. Random little train tracks in here. Sloshing all over the audio equipment. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, great, thanks. It'd be fantastic. You filled up the old fashions a little too tight on that one, on that tight (laughs) S curve on the train tracks. One spilled again. Damn it. Yeah. That's us, though. We're idiots. Uh, but no, thank you for coming in, man. Yep. It means a lot. It's yep. good to see you again. And thank you for your service, too. Yeah, thank you. Yep. yep. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for sh- being Thanks for being willing to share the information that you shared with everyone. I yeah, know no problem, a lot man. of people keep that tight, so it means a lot. So, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. In the outro. Yeah. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.